don't cry You can rely on me, honey What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the AXPX Podcast, episode 23, I believe. If my math is all is all correct, it might not be. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean DeRegger. Joey is off this week, and this week's a pretty special show. I've been planning this for quite a while and uh, excited to, to bring this to you. It could go into a two-parter, so we will see. I'll let you know by the end of the podcast here <laughs> if it's moving that direction but i'm about to head to uh, brea california to attend the brea congregational uh, ucc it's a uh, united congregational church and i'm going to be meeting with a lot of the congregation there i'm going to be meeting with their co-pastors uh, pastor rick marshall and pastor janine sletum and they are an lgbtq friendly church and i've really uh, it was interesting because when I when I stumbled across the church, I was just driving by and I saw they had a sign that said you know LGBT friendly, and I thought that was pretty fascinating, and because uh, you don't really see that on church signs too much, so I contacted uh, Sherry Davidson who run, helps run the uh, the Facebook page there, and we set this up for me to come out and I'm going to attend the church service and talk to a lot of you know handful of people in the congregation and talk to the pastors as well hopefully so anyway i'm really excited to to attend the church service and, and meet the people there so that's what's going on for today's show um i want to apologize for the for the scatterness of the show i haven't uh, been doing this every single week and just like the last show we were talking with rob davis about kind of balance and stress and uh, and everything I, I figured you know i'll do a show when i can i would like to do one every week but if I if I can't because of my schedule and, and my kids and everything, I'm not really going to stress about it. And I'm not going to do a show just to do a show. I want it to be a quality show. So I figured, you know, um, you know, hopefully every week, maybe every other week is how the show will go. And that's just the way it's going to have to be for now. And hope you know, the point is to bring quality shows to you to the listeners, and not just you know bust out a show just for the hell of it so that's the plan so hopefully guys are you guys are down with that um so i'm about to get on the road here and head over to to brea i hope i'm pronouncing that right i never know and i'm gonna meet with sherry there i'm gonna attend their uh, sunday school and their church so we'll see what happens um today's show music's gonna be brought to you by the band churches which is a uh, convenient and uh, uh so good band can't wait to, to share that with you so you know, you know, let's start. Let's do that right away here. Uh, this first song is by Churches. The song is called "Save Me," and we'll be back talking to some of the congregation members at the Brea Congregational Church uh, right after this. See me beached, chilling stone, doused in bleach, Sunday so.
Outlet is the song Save Me by the band Churches. They're out of San Francisco, and you can grab their uh, their 7-inch. Uh, I don't know if they have any more 7-inches available, but you can grab these two songs, this little mini album, uh, two songs, on their Bandcamp at churchescalifornia.bandcamp.com. And uh, while the song was playing, I traveled all the way to Brea, California, and I've sat through um, kind of a Sunday school and a church service at the, the Brea Congregational United Church of Christ. So I've been practicing that the whole ride here. <laughs> so I'm in a room with uh, six, um, six members of the church. Two are the pastors and then four members. So um, and we're going to kind of play past the mic, I think, is the best way to go, because uh, I'm not set up to make a gigantic studio. But um, so... Uh, all of you, thank you so much for taking the time and, and talking with me. Um, this is kind of a non, you know, non-linear format. We're just going to have a conversation, and and uh, and uh, the church service was was great. I haven't been to church in a while. It's been oh, probably since a little after when my newest son was born. Um, just because having three kids, my my wife is working on the weekends, makes it hard for me to want to gather everyone up and head to church for kind of a shuffle-in, shuffle-out scenario. Um, but I, what I really appreciated about the, the Sunday school portion, I don't know if you guys call it Sunday school or not, but was... Uh, yeah, was was the just open discussion. And they watched uh, a 15-minute video with... Um, with Dominic Crossan. And it was great because uh, it's just... There's, there's things that he's mentioning that you know you don't really think about, and it's not just a feel good type little sermon. It's actual use your brain and learn type format. So, and then after that, we had just a discussion about it, and the discussion kind of went off into different directions, and it was and it was great. And I I mentioned that is the first time that I've actually gone to church and actually had a really great conversation that kind of spurred the brain a little bit. So um, it was really good. And then the church service was was fantastic. It reminded me of kind of, I'm from small town Iowa, so I have more of a small town feel where it's just, uh, you just feel really welcome. So, um, so I would, if you're in Bray, I would recommend checking out the church. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is, um, I was like, well, maybe I should start with the pastors, maybe I should, but just kind of the way we're all sitting here, I'm just going to pass the mic down, and uh, and, and actually, it's, it's good that we start with Sherry, uh, Sherry, Sherry Davison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry was my kind of first contact when I, when the stories, I, I was driving from work, I was helping out a, a contractor and driving home, and I saw this church sign that said uh, LGBT friendly on the sign of the church, and I was almost just going to kind of drive past it and be like, oh, that's nice, you know, but... I just, I felt compelled to stop my car, turn around, get out of my car, and I took some pictures, and I posted them on Facebook, and I uh, was just really impressed by the, uh, um, just the boldness to put that on a church sign, because that's either going to, you know, bring people in, or that can really stir up the, the neighborhood, <laughs> or both. So um, I immediately, when I got home, um, I beelined it to the computer, and went on Facebook to try to see if there was a Facebook page, and kind of was my first, um, first, kind of uh, not necessarily conversation, but first glimpse into into the church was looking at their Facebook. I became a member of their their site. They're probably wondering who is this weird guy, you know. <laughs> so Sherry uh, was when I eventually wanted to come and, and set something like this up. She was my point of contact, and she's been great to talk to. So we'll start with Sherry. Um, <laughs> 
basically what I want to do is just uh, what eventually what how did you find the church yourself and um, and get in you know how did you become what spurred you to becoming a member of this of this church. I was actually fortunate to be raised in a UCC church when okay. I was in high school, back east, and left the church during my college days and studied kind of all of the world's religions. Kind of got disenchanted when I found out what people had done in Christ's mm-hmm. name. <laughs> and... Uh, Went through a lot of wounds with my own family who are very evangelical and wasn't welcome in my own family and so very conflicted. And I have an aunt who's a member of a UCC church and she told me, Sherry, go find a UCC church. Don't give up on your church. So I went to the UCC website and I plugged in my zip code and up popped Brea Congregational Church. And I said, I know that church. I've been reading their sign for three years. (laughs) So my first relationship Mm -hmm. with the church was through the sign. And then I needed to find a place where I could have a funeral Mm. because I had raised my godchild and she had passed away of cystic fibrosis. And I needed a church that would welcome my partner and I. Mm -hmm. And my partner is an African-American woman. And I needed a place where we would be welcome, that we could grieve openly Mm -hmm. and have a funeral and be okay. So I said the best way to figure out if we were welcome was just to show up one (laughs) Sunday. So Arlinda and I walked in, and if you ask Arlinda, who's an introvert, she will tell you that they tackled us with (laughs) kindness. That's fantastic. And I I definitely felt that kindness, you know, coming in today just as a, you know, visitor. And I know that, you know... You guys knew that I was coming, but just the uh, the openness is a little overwhelming. I almost got a little emotional during the <laughs> church service, just because it's just uh, the inclusiveness of everyone that you stress from the pulpit is really, you know, really great, and not not a lot of churches do that. So for a person yeah. like me, kind of coming in, you know, it was a little emotional for me. So. Um, yeah, and seven years ago, the congregation didn't look quite as diverse uh-huh. as it does today. Okay. So when we walked in, it didn't look like a place where we would be welcome. Okay. So our first snap judgment would have been, uh-oh. Yeah. Were you extremely nervous kind of going in? Was it, uh, so you just showed up on a Sunday, right, just as visitors? Right. Um, I would say that I'm pretty open and um, bold and brave. Mm-hmm. I would say that my partner was very fearful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, but... Um, did did it did did her stress kind of go away as soon as you guys started meeting people, or did it take you know a little bit of of time? Do you think? I think my own journey. Mm-hmm. It took time for me to know that I I was truly safe, okay, and that I wasn't just being hoodwinked. Like, right. oh yeah, we're open <laughs> to everyone. Okay, but as soon as you get in, we're going to really start to try to convert you Mm -hmm. or tell you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. So it took some of the one-on-one pastoral care that I received from Pastor Rick Marshall Mm -hmm. in helping me to understand my grieving and to really know that this was a a safe environment for him. So from him, I got that experience. That's great. All right. So we can pass the mic down. Uh, My name is John Sledham, and I came to this church through marriage. Okay. <laughs> um, my wife, Janine, is one of the co-pastors here, 
and um, she became involved uh, with the church about 10 years ago, um, 12 years ago, and that was through her more academic uh, connection and community connection to uh, Pastor Rick Marshall. Um, and I started attending, and um, it was just the right fit for me. I'm also an ordained minister. Mm -hmm. um, I um, left parish ministry uh, in 2004, but I, my, my journey was very much like Sherry's, is that I was uh, baptized in a congregational church in another Midwestern small city, mm -hmm. Faribault, Minnesota, okay. <laughs> and um, uh, the congregational church, and then I grew up in a congregational church in St. Paul, Minnesota, which then the Congregationalists and the uh, various other denominations merged into the United Church of Christ. So I was, you know, baptized and confirmed in the United Church of Christ, and I uh, grew up in a faith community, but like Sherry, I sort of drifted away when I realized the church wasn't speaking to me and what my need was as a young adult. Um, but then I was evangelized, uh, as other people have been when I'm in my mid-30s and uh, eventually get very intrigued by the ideas of religion. And particularly, we ha happen to start going to a more progressive liberal mm -hmm. church. And um, I realized that the church, that I had left the church, but the church had and it was at I'd left at a time of the Vietnam War and the the general social conflict in the world at the time and I realized those things that I believed in and had sort of forgotten about from mm -hmm. that time period had been carried on by the church the church's social agenda did continue without me being an active part of it and I rediscovered it I rediscovered that part of myself when I started going back to church. And um, so that was my early background about coming back to faith or coming back to the organized church. And um, this, this congregation is extraordinary. I've just enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I'm not prejudiced. The sermons are great. All of them. It doesn't matter if it's one of the co-pastors or the moderator, Sherry, <laughs> or our director of faith formation, Kathy Hopkins, who um, uh, occasionally preaches. We've also ha had wonderful sermons from another ordained minister in the church, uh, Reverend Michael Lewis, who you will have mm -hmm. a chance to talk to later. Um, so that's my, my story of being here. It is truly open, welcome, welcoming, and they've provided tremendous support for me mm -hmm. during a serious illness. Okay. And um, I'm just so grateful that all of these people are here. Great. Thank you for sharing. And we have uh, Pastor Rick Marshall. Rick Marshall. Yes, I'm Rick Marshall. I've been um, here at this church for almost 28 years uh, this June. And I was the sole pastor here for uh, quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And um, Janine Sledham came along, and we made her uh, assistant pastor for a while. And then uh, we went into the co-pastor about uh, four, four years ago mm -hmm. this month. So, 
Did, when you, what brought you to twenty years ago to this specific church here? Um, well, I I grew up in a conservative Baptist church, mm-hmm. and um, I was never really interested in church in that way. And um, I often joke with people that if I had, knew back at that time that I'd eventually become a minister, I would I would probably done something to myself. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was at the end of the Vietnam War, and um, I was about. Uh, to be drafted, and so I joined the uh, Air Force, and I spent seven years in the Air Force, and um, I met um, a group of evangelical uh, couples, and so I, I really got into the, um, you know, very conservative, traditional Christian mm-hmm. theology, and um, so I, I read widely uh, in in that area, and uh, so I got to know traditional Christianity very, very well. And after I got out of the military, I went uh, to the University of Oregon, and I got a degree in philosophy there because I was really motivated to learn mm-hmm. and understand. And so um, I slowly, slowly began to dawn on me that uh, what I'd uh, learned in traditional Christian theology uh, was not very biblical uh, as I was seeing it. It was more Greek. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that uh, the God of Plato and Aristotle was actually uh, the God that uh, traditional Christian theology uh, worships. And so I would read uh, traditional Christian theology, and I'd read the Bible, and they didn't really go together very well. And so uh, toward the end of my time there uh, at the University of Oregon, I was in a um, small uh, seminar uh, philosophy of religion and the guest speaker that day was a a professor named John Cobb who uh, teaches at Claremont School of Theology and I'd never heard of process theology before and uh, so uh, that um, class uh, was my first exposure to process theology and that was my conversion experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, My world was turned upside down by it. Can you go just uh, I guess Briefly, layman's terms, I guess, about yes, process uh-huh. theology. <laughs> well, process theology, I would just call it more relational theology. Uh-huh. Um, you know, every, everything is related to everything else. Uh, and uh, so I read everything I could uh, in process theology and process philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, philosophy is my main interest, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you do with a philosophy degree? You know, not much. So I went to <laughs> seminary. Actually, I just followed my own passion. Yeah. And um, I learned a lot about process theology and process philosophy, and uh, it led me down here to Claremont School of Theology. And uh, and then what do you do with the theology degree? Well, you become a minister. So <laughs> um, I was going through a very difficult time uh, in my life when I finished uh, seminary, and uh, the Brea Congregational Church was the first church that came my way. And so I, I just... Uh, they they accepted me and and I accepted them and I became the minister here, and um, and uh, I tell people that um, I would like to create a church here that I would want to belong to if I mm-hmm. was not a minister here, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of the experiences that people have um, are very positive in my mind um, because. Uh, I would like to say those things if I was not the minister right. here. I'd like to be here for those reasons. Right. And so uh, it's worked out all these years, and so we're kind of in the middle of things. <laughs> so here we are. Great. Good deal. Mm-hmm. So my name is Rich, Rich Procida, 
and uh, I guess I'll start in childhood because everything stems from childhood. <laughs> so I grew up in a, a ba- my father at least attempted to be a Baptist minister. He got a degree in theology. My mother, uh, very much an evangelical. Um, so I grew up in that environment. And at some point, I, I don't know what it was, but somehow I, I sort of explain it like somehow I got a different Jesus. I got a Jesus that, and an understanding of the Bible that was more about loving one another, um, caring for the poor. Um, and I, it's hard to think back about what Jesus I perceived, but somehow my brothers, they got a different Jesus. Um, they got the conservative right-wing Jesus, mm-hmm. and somehow I got a different one. Um, I ended up um, continuing to pursue my spiritual journey, and then at some point I realized that the church wasn't going to do it for me anymore because they they were not open to anything that I was saying. I remember I went to a Calvary Chapel in Downey, and um, they were talking about abortion and pornography. Pornography is one of the areas that I started to focus on later, but and I tried to convince them that we should focus on the issue of pornography because, one, it leads to unwanted pregnancies, perhaps, and secondly, we can make allies of the women of feminists rather than enemies of feminists. And then the reaction I got, I mean, I, when I left that church, I f- was a fearful for my physical safety. And I said, never again. You know, I'm not going to go back to an evangelical church. And so my spiritual growth focused on my education. And I had a, and I'm not sure if this is the timeline, but I had a very spiritual experience in a feminist studies class. And I ended up minoring in that study. And then I heard of a church that was doing civil unions for gays and lesbians. And I said, now that church might be a liberal church. <laughs> and so I, I went, I, so that's really the first time I actually heard of what would be a progressive mm-hmm. church. I, I don't think I, I mean, I knew about Martin Luther King I don't think I was aware that there were progressive churches. Right. And so um, I went there for a while. And and then um, I've had a lot of experiences. I started to pursue just spirituality in general, studying, um, you know, I I would call it dabbling. You know, I dabble in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. But I got really into New Age stuff, and then there was the religious science which is kind of like positive thinking and things like that and i went in that direction for a while and um and then i felt that in my spiritual journey i couldn't just keep dabbling i couldn't go one direction and then come back and then another direction and then come back i had to make a choice about um the path that i was going to take my father was trying to get me into um, reading the Bible and studying theology, and for so long I was telling you know that's just 
esoteric stuff, you know, really doesn't have any meaning to our lives. You know, you can sit there and read and talk about all this stuff. But eventually, somehow, I got interested in it. I started to see it as a path. Of course, my father felt that if he told me to read the Bible, that eventually I would conclude that there's only one interpretation that's appropriate, and you have to believe all the theological doctrines that they tell you to believe. But I sort of, and he should have known this, but I sort of messed him up on that because I started to come up with my own ways of viewing the Gospels and what the Bible was saying and interpreting in light of the New Age teachings that I was um, learning about and my own sort of, I, I pride myself on my own views that I think for myself. And it came to a point and I'd go to a church or be with religious people and I couldn't get through a conversation with them about God without all of a sudden I start to get the litmus test. Now, do you believe, wait, wait, wait a second, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is, did you die for a sin? And all of a sudden, and I resent that. I resent somebody coming and telling me what I have to think and what I have to believe. And I just wasn't going to do it. You know, I, you know, I wasn't going to answer their questions the way they wanted to, me to answer their questions. So we couldn't get anywhere. Yeah. So... I started to look for a church. I went to one church, and I helped them with their mission statement. But they, even though they were accepting of gays and lesbians in their church, it's not necessarily the same as having a liberal congregation or a liberal theology. They still had the same basic theology. And... Um, so even though a church may accept gays and lesbians, some are more conservative theologically uh -huh. than others. Uh -huh. So I started to look at websites to try and find a Christian church where I could talk about Christian theology, study the Bible, and yet be able to express my own views and grow spiritually. Because I can't fathom how you would grow spiritually if you can't openly talk about what you're feeling, what your views are, what your thoughts are, and and not feel like you're going to have somebody come back at you and correct you all the time. Right. You, you can't have a personal growth in a stifled environment. Right. And um, so I and this church is connected to Claremont, which I knew about because my father used to go there. I'm sure he went there and caused a lot of trouble all the time. <laughs> so and. So I start, but I ended up starting to go there, looking at their books in the library that they would sell for inexpensive. And I started to read a bunch of books on theology. I got some courses and started watching courses on theology. And um, I thought I'd come give it a try because um, I knew they did process theology, which I knew one thing, that I didn't know what process theology was, but I knew it wasn't orthodox theology. <laughs> and so I figured it was open. And what I was really looking for is a place where I could be myself. You know, ex explore my understanding of God and theology and explore my... And go on my path and try mm -hmm. and find God and try and find peace and happiness and spirituality and all of that stuff. And um, when I came here, I found that was, was the case. Mm -hmm. That you don't, you're not told what to believe. You're not told what to think. You know, you're allowed to um, go on that path, find God for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
and share with one another, learn from one another. And, um, and now we're doing a social action team, so we get to do some progressive things. I have a blog, and I'll just do a little <laughs> thing for my blog here. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's called uh, modernlectionaries.blogspot.com. Cool. And lectionaries is just as it sounds. So I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll put a link. Okay. In the, the show notes. All right. Uh, the axpx.com on this. Uh, Great. On where awesome. This episode is so. Okay. Thank Great. you. Perfect. And we have a brand new member. Yes, my name is Peggy Austin, and I just uh, joined this church today. So it's kind of an emotional day for me. <laughs> um. I've been um, associated with uh, with churches off and on all my life, mm-hmm. and my spiritual growth has always been important to me. Um, and I think, as an upper middle class white woman, you know, my conventional uh, associations have worked for a long time. But as I've, um, you know, worked my way through life and had a child and uh, several marriages and so forth life became complicated and uh my beliefs didn't seem to relate to the actual happenings of life mm-hmm. my life and the lives of people around me and yet um you know i always grew up with loving relationships and i have um friends from other faiths i have friends uh, you know with other sexual orientations and I began to ask, how does my faith, which is important to me, encompass and embrace people who have different experiences than I do, who believe different things equally passionately, and whose experience um, contradicts some of the things um, that I grew up believing? So it became... Uh, kind of a difficult choice, you know, do I choose the faith uh, that I've always grown up with, or do I choose to uh, embrace the people and the reality of what's around me, um, the good and the difficulties in the world? And uh, a number of years ago, I, you know, as I was watching TV, I saw this thing, UCC, God is still speaking. I mean, it just bowled me over. And accompanied maybe with a, a picture of a bouncer standing in front of, you know, what was a, a church, but would have looked like a bar, and people were being turned away. And I, it just hit me on that level. How can I believe in something that turns people away? Mm-hmm. So um, I began to, to, you know, believe that maybe, maybe I need to listen again and relook at those things that I've been taking for granted. So I, um, I too saw the sign. You know, it's <laughs> hilarious. Really, that sign is is a sign. Darn it, it is. <laughs> I mean, who knew? And when I saw the sign, I have to say, I thought, you know, okay, but is this some kind of weird new age sort of other pablum? You know, on the on the opposite end, is it too good to be true? Right. You know, so you know, thank heavens these days we do have websites and we do have podcasts mm-hmm. and we can check things out. You know, check out people's credentials. You know, big on that. And uh, I eventually decided, you know, to give it a try. 
And what I found in a very short time was that these possible new ways of thinking are based on sound scholarship. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me. Um, I want to feel like I have a foundation. But I also feel like this is not a place where we let scholarship take over and we're in continuous arguments about you know, what this word means and what that word means. What I'm experiencing, and that word experience is so important to me, it's not about what's in my head. Because um, I've read a lot and I've talked a lot and I've been in the arguments too. They mm -hmm. don't get the world to be a better place in my experience. They create divisions. Right. And so... Um, I want to be able to share my faith and know that it's based on something that has been, you know, that I've studied based on questions that I've been able to ask without fear and and also based on a realization that we don't have all the answers. God is still speaking, you know. And so my job is to keep listening. But what I love because my faith is important to me. It's important to me on a personal level, but it's important to me on a, on a global level, on a family level, on a community level. I want to feel good about sharing something that includes you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to join. You know, I'm not converting anybody. But I'm saying, hey, there's a new way of thinking based on sound scholarship that allows me to accept the world as it is and everyone in it. And then say, what can I do to be part of the solution, part of the love, mm -hmm. part of the community, part of the life? So I'm excited to be here. I do always say, um, you know, there's always that piece of me that doesn't like to be a joiner <laughs> and doesn't want to have to commit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what I love about being here is I can say that. Right. And people get it. And they don't go, well, you know, come to a bunch more classes. And, you, you know, yeah. it's not about that. It's about God is still speaking. I'm still listening. We're talking. We're asking questions. We're being confused if that's what warrants, you know, we can weep together. We can laugh together. Mm -hmm. I know that already in, what, what has it been, a month? Because this is a special place. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, the sign um, affects me deeply because I, th I know there are people like me out there who are going to churches and afraid to say, hey, wait a second, I'm confused, or this doesn't fit, you know. I don't want to sound stupid, I don't want to mm -hmm. sound like I don't love you, you know, all that stuff. Um, this church is speaking out loud. So God is still speaking through this church, and I'm really glad that I got to hear it, and I'm excited and scared that I get to be part of it. So thank you. Great. Thank you very much. Hi, um, finally. Yes, my name is Janine Sledham. I'm the other co-pastor of this church, and um, I'll, I'll start way back as others have. I was baptized and confirmed in the Lutheran Church, I left it just as soon as I was confirmed, <laughs> and I left it for um, for twenty some years. Uh -huh. I had um, I had mystical experiences as a child, so I was always very 
um, spiritual, but I really did make a distinction between God and the church. Hmm. And um, so there were there are complicated issues there, but I left the church, um, not God, for a long time. And then when I did come back, one of the things that was going on was I had been studying Jungian psychology, and it had become a house that I lived in. It was the way I understood things. I used that language. I used those categories. But at a certain point, I started to feel as though there was a false ceiling in that house, that there was someplace else that I could go. And this is Jung, who is even more friendly to um, spiritual thoughts and um, mystical experiences, but I still felt that there was the false ceiling, and I couldn't, Jung couldn't take me into that area beyond that. And that was, as John said, a time when our friends evangelized us in the sweetest, nicest way. They just talked about church as uh, one, of the, one of the things that they did, along mm-hmm. with the other things that they did. And the church did happen to be just across the parking lot from our home, so where we had lived for 20-some years by that time. And so one day I, I walked over, and things... Um, and then, then I had a number of really, really strong personal experiences of... Um, I'd, I I I think I'll just truncate it and, and say that I had an Easter experience, okay. um, uh, some kind of a rebirth from a long period of um, thinking a certain way, behaving a certain way, and so I uh, came out on the other side of a personal cross. Let's put mm-hmm, it that way, mm-hmm. and um, went to seminary and. Um, Kept on being told that by my seminary professors that I sounded like a process theologian. And I thought, I do not want another house. I had a young house. I do not need a process house. So I resisted it and then finally came out here to do a PhD at um, uh, Claremont Graduate University where I did study process theology. So that's a theme that hmm. is emerging. And very shortly into that, I met Rick. And Rick... Um, was part of an organization. He was a co-founder of an organization that was about promoting process theology and developing resources for churches. And uh, we were at a meeting together, and I introduced myself. And uh, there was another guy from a UCC church as well. I introduced myself to him and said that I was looking for a church and I'd like to come there. And he, But he was in Torrance, and he said, you should talk to Rick. He's a lot closer to you. So... That's so. I said, "Okay, I will," and I still, I still had some funny feelings about walking into a church because I hadn't. This was the first time I had tried okay. another one than the one across the street from me, right, <laughs> or kitty corner across the street. So I came in, and my I was immediately greeted so warmly by people, and I, I, I loved to tell this story. One of the guys was who was serving communion, was serving it in the pews. And so here's this, you know, sacred, solemn setting, and he's coming down the aisles with the tray, and he's got the he's got the little cups, and he leads in to hand it to me, and then says, "Hi." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm coming back. Uh-huh. And then, but what I found was a church that, it, in all of the years that Rick had been here, he had been talking about process theology without naming it. Right. So, not doing any of the fancy language, not doing, he just had been promoting this idea of interconnection, interrelationality, respect for one another, respect for the environment. So, he had prepared this congregation that I felt was 
was like you know sliding into the birth it was mm-hmm. it it was a wonderful fit and and as we continued to talk then we became more up, um open about naming process theology from the pulpit and taught classes in it and um um, first, I, as he said, I, I was had a part-time position, and then we worked out the co-pastorate, which I think is mm-hmm. a, a, ma- a model that we both appreciate very much, because we can share the responsibilities, and as any of your listeners out there who are in solo pastorates know how um, hard it is to carry that burden. Um, it's uh, the burden of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be in an, an in a situation where we respect each other and it's uh, like each other a lot and the and have no theological disagreements, we speak it differently. We mm-hmm. say it, we use different language when we're talking about it, but we're speaking from that shared theology of interconnection, interrelationality, the presence of God in every single moment of our lives. And so all of those doctrines, which we, you know, we may or may not get into, but incarnation is God incarnating into us every moment. The forgiveness and the reconciling that take place that we, you know, in, in historically we talk about taking place in the event of the crucifixion happens in our lives Every moment, we are always being welcomed into some kind of new life, some um, some new expression of ourselves, uh, something that opens up our minds, um, our bodies to new experiences. And this is a wonderful congregation. I feel like I can say anything mm. from the pulpit. There, I don't feel as though there is anything I have I cannot say. Great. Thank you. So we're going to go ahead and take one more musical break here, and we'll come back and we'll kind of dive in more of, I don't know, the, the, the theology and the doctrine, way process theology and, and things like that, and we'll just have a discussion about that and sound good. <laughs> so this is, this is Churches with the song Love Life on the AXPX podcast.
That was Love Life by Churches. You can go to churcheskalifornia.bandcamp.com and grab their songs there. They have four songs in kind of little packs of two, I guess, uh, available there. And definitely recommend you check them out. I believe they do have some limited edition 7-inch uh, vinyl still available for these two tracks so that I played today. So, all right, well, I'm at uh, Brea Congregational United Church of Christ. And this is fun for me because it's the first kind of road trip I've gotten to take. I know that I did a paranormal episode where I met a um, paranormal researcher. Uh, and then, uh, but as far as that, I've, it's always been kind of over Skype and things like that. So it's kind of cool having a group setting. I wish I had more mics for everybody, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's working out, I think. So um, <clears throat> uh, do you go by Pastor Rick? Do you just by Rick? Okay. <laughs> I always never know how to address, uh, you know, a, a pastor because, you know, different churches you go to, it's, you know, different things. And some people go, well, I'm the reverend, you know, <laughs> things like that. The reverend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some people, like, you need to get that doctor on the end there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if you can just expand on kind of, I hear, you know, the word, the initials UCC uh, being thrown around a lot. And what's, um, as far as like, a, a church body, I guess, or uh, what, what's what been kind of, what things does the United Church of Christ stand on? Is there, you know, because I know there's things like the Nicene Creed and things like that that certain churches build their, their doctrine on. Um, what's the United Church of Christ as far as their, I guess, overarching doctrine entail? Well, uh, <clears throat> that's probably uh, one of the most important points about the United Church of Christ is the fact that it is a non-creedal okay. denomination. You know, we read a statement of faith uh, when these folks joined this morning, but mm-hmm. it's not a lip, uh, it's not a test. Um, and um, I, the United Church of Christ is uh, organizationally weak mm-hmm. on purpose. Okay. Um, and it pretty much leaves uh, each church um uh, to decide their own theology and how they're going to operate in the world. So it's a pretty loose uh, affiliation. Um, and although the uh, denomination tends to be known for more liberal stances on mm-hmm. social issues, uh, we've got a whole spectrum of different kinds of theology in the United Church of Christ. Okay. And so uh, that's why I feel fortunate in being in the United Church of Christ because uh, they let us. I don't want to say they leave us alone, but they let us do our own thing and uh, don't tell us, you know, from, you know, some kind of hierarchy Mm -hmm. uh, how we should run the church or what to believe in. Okay. Yeah. Now, the congregational part, is that uh, a piece of the UCC or is that even more unique to, say, this church? Well, the the United Church of Christ was uh, started in 1957 and... Uh, Janine probably knows the history of that a little bit better, okay. and so she might be best to okay. describe that. So sure, we can yeah. we can you want defer. And I'll I'll take it back a step even further. When the missionaries went out into the colonized world, mm-hmm. they t- they came from all these different denominations, and they arrived in places like Africa and Asia, and they said, "You guys all preach one body, but." 
Look at all of you. You're there. You are one denomination after another. And what it did was it really struck denominational leaders and that really sparked the an ecumenical conversation about how do we get to work more with each other? How can we come back together? So the early part of the 20th century was a huge move to try to merge these all these little denominations and have a stronger voice. And the in the 20s, there were um, two sets of churches that were working on mergers. The, um, the Christian church, which, is the, uh, which was a frontier church, mm-hmm. um, and the congregational church, which is the oldest church in this country. There are the, all, all the pilgrims and the Puritans, and all of that goes back to congregationalism, um, and a lot of that has influenced the constitution of the country. And then there were German groups that came in, evangelical and reformed, um, and so the first thing that happened is in the 20s, these two groups came together and these two groups came together. And then they, once they had achieved that, they said, okay, now let's start to bring all of us together into one. It was huge. It was interrupted by wars. It was, an, it was a very difficult thing to achieve. But the people who did it believed in it so strongly. They were willing to do all of the work. In 1957, they came together, those four original churches Mm -hmm. as the United Church of Christ. And then because we are a congregational polity, the the local church makes the decision. The churches, all the local churches voted whether or not they would become part of this new United Church of Christ or whether they would maintain their... um, their identities from before. So, um, and true to the polity of the church, some stayed, some, um, and some went off on their own. But the, but it came together at a time of, um, when the civil rights movement was, was getting underway and the, it was a church that jumped feet first into social justice and mm-hmm. said, we'll work out our theological statements. And they have them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, we'll work out our theological statements later because right now we're called to action. And so they jumped right in. And so, yeah, it's the, the church has always been on the progressive side mm-hmm. of issues, but because of that congregational polity, each church makes its own decision about where they stand on things. This church stands strongly for um, inclusivity, okay. um, radical welcome. Which is funny because <clears throat> more people I, I talk to that are more open, you know, uh, welcoming people in, it's, you know, you, you'd think, because that's what Christ taught, you know, you'd think, because <laughs> I hear you guys talking about, you know, being welcomed and, and unconditional love and just feeling, you know, just a sense of just, you know, that you're, you're included. And I feel like that's when I read the New Testament and I feel like that's what Jesus did. And it's so simple. And uh, I know my wife and I talk a lot about things like this. And I'm always, I'm always frustrated because I feel like, you know, it's so, the message of the gospel, if you boil it down, it's so, so simple. And I feel like the the modern church or the, I mean, I, you know, we always say like the church, <clears throat> but, you know, say like mainstream American church or, or whatever, Western Christianity seems to kind of muddy everything up with all these different rules and tenets and, and um, creeds. And it's just, uh, when I, when I listen to uh really click for me when I listened to a podcast, uh, Jay Baker of uh, revolution, uh, NYC when he was there, 
he did a series on on love, and he said, uh, you know, the greatest commandment of all is love. And then after that, everything kind of slides into place. But all these churches and everything are trying to, you know, guide you in in not sinning and living a certain way, and and everyone you know, forgets the love part, where the love seems to be the most important part. So, um, do you? Um, it, it, did, is it just that simple? I mean, for you, for a person like you as, as a pastor, do you feel like, do you, both Rick and, and Janine, do you feel like, you know, your job's not, not hard in, in a sense because it's just, you know, there's the, there's the knowledge of, of the Bible and things like that, but, um, you know, it boils down to something kind of mind-numbingly simple, doesn't it? Right, yeah, I think you're right. You know, Jesus kind of summarized, um, you know, all of the uh, rules in uh, love of God and love of neighbor. And But I want to talk for just a minute about power. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing we've discovered uh, is that uh, churches are often involved in uh, excluding people mm-hmm. on purpose, um, the uh, whole Bible was written under a variety of different empires. So um, some of the earlier books in the Old Testament, for example, were written under uh, the uh, Egyptian Empire and then later uh, the Babylonian Empire and, of course, the New Testament uh, under the Roman Empire. And so church gets highly politicized mm-hmm. uh, because it gets co-opted by whatever empire uh, is uh, in play. And so um, I think that's what has happened in this country, uh, is that much of Christianity has been co-opted uh, by the empire to believe in uh, God in such a way that it would bless the status quo. Mm-hmm. So at the end of uh, a president's speech, for example, you get God bless America. And um, that means something to the empire. Right. Uh, so it is to their best interest uh, that they believe in an uh, omnipotent God that blesses the status quo. Mm-hmm. Because they want us all to believe that uh, the way that the world is arranged is the way that God wants it. And so if there is any social inequity, then it means that God meant it to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're, we kind of read the Bible skeptically, Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that it is it is used by the powers that be, and so that's why it gets really complicated. Right. And I think what passes for much of Christianity in this country is what I would call empire religion, and um, and they and you know you can look at the the wars in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, and how um, the religious right were was very supportive of both of those wars. Right. And uh, because it is in the best interest of the empire that religion bless, you know, whatever policies that they are interested mm-hmm. in pursuing. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a horrible violation of uh, Jesus' basic principles, somehow those get ignored by the church. And a lot of the social issues that have come up, uh, like abortion and and marriage equality, although they're very important, that if the church can be distracted by these other social issues, then we won't notice uh, 
the wide gap uh, between the rich and the poor mm -hmm. in this country mm -hmm. and the use of violence in our name to maintain the status quo. Yeah. So that's why you get the sense of muddiness in churches is because the way things are arranged, they want us to be confused. Hmm. And that's part of their tactic, yeah. Yeah. is to be confused and be, to be distracted. Uh, and better if we can be on their side and sing the hymns of <laughs> the empire and go marching into war with them and praying uh -huh. for success uh -huh. in using violence uh, to pursue peace. Uh, we believe that uh, peace is attained uh, by justice mm -hmm. and not by violence. So that's kind of a long answer. Here no, that's great. Question. Perfect. Sherry? I'd like to add that that's very eloquent. And for me, it is that simple. Mm -hmm. It goes to love. Mm -hmm. And one of the experiences that happens for a lot of people who come to our church, and it happened for me, was that I sat for the first six months and pretty much cried every Sunday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what was I crying about? My partner was sitting next to me, and she goes, you know, you're still grieving. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. I'm not crying because I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I'm crying because I'm joy-filled. Mm -hmm. I am full of what the power of love is. And when it starts to move through me, and when I start to relax in that awesome power, then I'm resilient. Then I'm hopeful. Mm -hmm. Then I feel like I can take on the stance that Jesus took to be a radical. Mm -hmm. you know, my partner says, you just found a chip a church with a bunch of old hippies. Well, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I want to respond to that question a little bit because I, I think what happens is that the church is becomes an authority. That there becomes a, there's an issue with authority. Where does the authority for these type of ideas come from? And I sort of have come up with this idea recently, and it may be biased, but I think a lot of the churches, conservative churches, are actually following the church rather than Jesus. Mm -hmm. When our course this morning, we were looking at Jesus in his historical, uh, political, cultural um, matrix or context. Mm -hmm. We really go down, and then we look at the gospel, and we take out from there um, what Jesus is teaching. The church has, some of our, the evangelical church has, they really get on us personal issues, you know, you know, and I always bring this up, and I'm sorry, but, you know, you know, don't masturbate, who are you having sex with, what position are you having sex with, <laughs> you know, all these issues that don't matter. Right. And they come up with doctrines that, um, like the infallibility of the Pope. Mm -hmm. of the Pope, you know, doctrines that don't make any sense that are ridiculous um, because they fall, they became to follow this theology that was created by the church after the Bible was written. Yeah. And that's all that belief system is. Um, the Bible, however, whole different story. And the story of Jesus is very, very different from what the church teaches. Mm -hmm. So, um, and sin and the problems that we are not really, in my mind, primarily personal things. So yes, it is love, but it's sin. For instance, is a com uh, corporate 
sin, mm-hmm. the sin of nations, the sin of excluding people and denying them rights and ostracizing them and marginalizing them be- or killing them mm-hmm. because they're gay, because they're lesbian, because they don't accept every doctrine and every belief that you have because um, they don't, it, I don't want to get, you know, all that process that um, has really created, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's really, you know, really, cre- here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just wanted to say also that the emphasis on personal sin uh-huh. means that you can avoid the sinned against. So if all of the focus is on me because I lied or I did this or I did that, and then, then I am not thinking about all of the people that are being sinned against by corporate actions such as taken by nations or taken by corporations or taken by communities or taken by persons of one of uh, one sexual orientation or one gender or one you know it's like you you can avoid that part mm-hmm. and this church wants us to be more aware of this it's not that we think we're not sinners i mean right. we all we all know we have um <laughs> plenty of personal failings <laughs> or shortcomings is a nice way of saying that but are real concerned with the sin against and the sin against includes the planet yeah um i want to f- focus a little bit on just because when i um when i drove through this the sign did say lgbt friendly well my question is, is is that was that always on the sign or is this is that rotating is that rotating with something thought provoking is that what cuz uh, what I hear about, you know, um, Shara, when you said you have a relationship with a sign, you know, and, and, and Peggy, um, your, your story as well. How often does it rotate? What, what, what types of things have been on there before? You uh, know? We have a long list, actually. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> we, we don't really rotate. We okay. just, I just put just things kinda, up there that are new and yeah. hopefully thought-provoking. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's our goal, is just to be thought-provoking and to let people know that we're not an ordinary church, yeah. that, um, that we are, um, I feel a little bit like Rich, not knowing how to, <laughs> how to end. Uh, if I could just go back to one other, one other point, if you uh-huh. don't mind. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're here, uh, here we're very intentional on not using guilt or fear mm-hmm. to motivate people. Mm-hmm. And we uh, want to emphasize trust as the sort of the heart of the Christian life. And so um, I put thoughtful, sign, uh, thoughtful messages on the sign because I really want to put responsibility for faith on the person. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell people what to believe. It's right. up to you to figure that out. What so are, that I, can, I feel like I can be a little provocative yeah. then in forcing yeah. people to think for themselves. What are what are some examples of uh, like Sherry? What was when you what was the sign? What was on the sign that you remember when you? I would just say that the theme of the sign was uh-huh. always anti-status quo. Okay. So somebody who was looking for something other than the status quo, it always piqued my curiosity. Okay. Um, I'll give you another example of of something that created quite a bit of response recently is we had up thy shall not kill with drones hmm that's a good one oh yeah would jesus buy a gun <laughs> well one of my favorites was i mean actually rick has been open to suggestions and i had a little button 
uh, that was given to me at a, a progressive con- conference uh-huh. that said, the meek are getting ready. And uh, I offered <laughs> that one up and or mentioned it to Rick, and all of a sudden, there it was on the side. <laughs> so it, it really does, um, you know, as Rick said, it's an opportunity to be a little provocative. Mm-hmm. And the, the purpose of being provocative is to just have people think. Yeah. Really think. Uh, in different ways, thinking from their experience, um, which um, was uh, which uh, Peggy said so gracefully and wonderfully that uh, um, speaking from our experiences. Mm-hmm. One of my well, one of my favorite messages on the sign is that worshiping the Bible is idolatry, <laughs> or bibliolatry uh-huh. and that sort of goes to some of what the evangelicals start talking about how the bible is the word of god and what they're really doing is binding god by a book mm-hmm. saying this is it in our church we say god is still speaking but for some reason for them god stopped speaking two thousand years ago mm-hmm. so um and they come up with again ridiculous and untrue beliefs, which is very interesting when you really think about the fact that they believe things that are not true, and that are obviously not true, and that if one were to seriously study the Bible and and look at the Bible in depth, as our pastors have, and as scholars have, and as Dominic Crossan has, we'll find that it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's got conflicts in it the stories differ so so here we have a church that said we're gonna we believe these and if you don't believe that then you're not a christian and then but when you look at the facts what they're telling you is false so that's one thing of nice about coming to this church is you don't have to believe falsehoods mm-hmm. yeah uh, Peggy, what was on the sign? Was it the the LGBT one on the sign when you, you encountered, know, or what was? Uh, that's that's the one that I remember most yeah. recently. I've been driving past the church for a number of years, and occasionally almost gotten in an accident. You know, looking back because <laughs> there's messages on both sides, and they're uh-huh. not the same. <laughs> I, um, but uh, the LGBT one um, struck me because, very simply, I thought. A church who's willing to put that out on the sign, number one, has some bravery as a community that I don't have by myself. Yeah. So I want to be a part of that. And number two, um, there are probably other political views that would um, coincide with mm-hmm. some of my own, and that's um, heartening in North Orange County, mm-hmm. maybe Orange County entirely. I wanted to say something about the drone one, though, because... Um, <laughs> As part of Empire, you know, it's not about the other guy. I'm, I'm part of it, you know. Um, sometimes unwilling and mostly oblivious. So that sort of a message made me think, why is this not in the newspaper? I mean, drones is in the newspaper, but the discussion isn't there. It's absent. And so I get to thinking about all the things in this life that I take for granted as just that's the way they are. 
you know. And some of my spiritual uh, life is about acceptance. Well, what does that mean? Acceptance of what, of things as they are? Acceptance because I read about in the newspaper? So that sign um, makes me think makes me start asking questions, makes me go to work and go, you know the sign I saw at mm-hmm. my church? And I can talk to anybody about it. it. It's not a church thing. Yeah. You know, it's a life thing. Um, and that's what is really intriguing to me about this church and those messages. They're not about a message to a Christian. Mm-hmm. They're a message to the world. Right. You know, right. a message that I can, without uh, um, saying you have to come, belong to this church, you have to. It's amazing the discussions. We're all philosophers, that, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. where I'm working, you know, or, and, and we're trying to figure out our world. And I guess the other thing that I, want, that I did want to get back to, too, is I think the kinds of questions that are raised are unsettling and scary, and confusing, and because I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones, I began to see that I can't answer that question by myself. Mm -hmm. So much of my spiritual life has been about me, and about my learning to accept my circumstances, and you know, who I am, Mm -hmm. and love myself, and that's all good. Right. And yet there's more to the world than me. And the problems are huge. Mm-hmm. As we talk about the environment, we may not be here to even worry about any of the other quote-unquote problems that we right. have. I can't face that by myself. So I need a community where I can um, you know, be part of. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, what was intriguing is, here's a scary question. Do I want to face that question by myself? <laughs> or do I want to come inside and go, hey, that question out there, it's really bothering me, you know? And, yeah. And... And it unfolds. Yeah. That's great. Um, there's so much we can talk about. I want to, I just, I just want to tackle one more subject and, and then, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But I mean, um, as, I guess, as pastors, and I guess even as, uh, you know, the community, congregants, congregants um, how do you guys approach the Bible? Cause I know, you know, you said that there are churches that teach this is the, you know, this is the God breathed word, word of God, and that's it. And I've had, I've had pastors, you know, from the pulpit even say that, you know, if one thing is wrong in this thing, then you might as well just discount it all. And I'm like, oh, he's creating atheists right now. <laughs> you know? That's not a good thing. Well, that's one of the things that Rick put on a sign once. <laughs> we take the Bible seriously, but not literally. Right. And that was up for a while. I just beg, borrow, and steal all these these messages. Uh-huh. I don't come up with most of them <laughs> yeah. on my own. Um, I, I'm just always looking for something that piques uh, curiosity, mm-hmm. and that's my main goal. But our our view of the Bible is to take it very seriously because I think uh, people who take it uh, literally and inerrantly mm-hmm. uh, actually close close the Bible, and yeah. um, they leave it at the very superficial level, and. Um, it's like trying to take Shakespeare literally, or take poetry literally, or any of uh, the stories that we grow up with uh, literally. There's a deeper truth mm-hmm. to a lot of these uh, stories in the Bible than just the, the, the superficial uh, mm-hmm. truth. So there's a lot of meta- metaphor 
involved, and it takes thought and study. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not afraid of the Bible. We're not afraid of taking it apart. Uh, it doesn't have to be all exactly right. It's not science mm-hmm. in any sense of the word, uh, but it's about uh, authentic life mm-hmm. and how to live an authentic life. How do you how do you suggest you know people in the congregation approach the Bible themselves? Because I know a lot of people, especially when I was young, it was daunting. Like we would try to have Bible studies with with my dad and my brother, and we would have Bible studies and we would read. And I just remember having so many questions, you know, and not even knowing like where to start. And as I got older, I was just like, I I can't. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this thing. So well, I would the- close and walk away. But now that I'm Approaching the Bible more from a, like historical learning about how it was written, I'm I think I'm fascinated even more than I ever have been by the Bible, and I'm actually motivated to dig in and and actually do Bible studies. I know that a lot of people will have a, a Bible study, but it's you know going through a workbook and watching a video. So what does some, it mean to you? <laughs> yeah, kind of thing, you know. But I'm more interested in you know how did how did these stories and and these messages even get there and what do they mean what's the broader picture there's there's no virtue in starting with genesis and reading right. the bible from uh beginning to end like that you don't really learn much um we've had an emphasis on bible study for um, almost the whole time i've been here mm-hmm. and we just take a book at a time and we treat it from a literary perspective and okay. just pick it apart and you know see who uh, you know who the main main character is. You know what who's the uh, what's the conflict? Who's the antagonist? How does it get resolved? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we take the Bible seriously enough to pull it apart. Mm-hmm. And what about like verses say that is uh, verses that could like contradict you guys being like gay affirming a gay affirming church? It's all you? about context. Context, yeah. Yes. I know those those get thrown out quite a bit when you're talking about. Because I know that when when the Supreme Court was meeting about, um, gosh, what were they even meeting for? It, it was the marriage equality was going to the Supreme Court a few weeks back. Yeah. Proposition. Okay, when that was going on, and we we're a lot of people like on Facebook were changing their icons to just right. be an e- equal sign, and I, I did that. And uh, I remember one of uh, a guy that I hope to have on the show soon. He had, he's the host of a show called Dogma Debate, and he's an atheist, uh, David Smalley, and. And I know one of my friends from Tulsa Head wrote, you know, it's all about grace. You know, Jesus taught grace. And, and he uh, said, well, why, you know, your, your book, you know, this Christian book, you know, uh, is against homosexuality. You know, and he said, how could you even, how could you as a, you know, even if you're agnostic or Christian agnostic or whatever, how could you even use the Bible or, or part of the Bible as a, as a stance for equality? You know, because he has a certain viewpoint of, I believe he came from uh, more of a fundamentalist background, you know, and lost his faith because he read the Bible kind of thing. Yeah, you know. it happened to Augustine, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but, no, the, the there, there are a couple of ways that we talk about that. There are overarching ways of reading the Bible. It's like, you, what, is, what is the thing that you pick out? You say, I'm going to read the Bible um, through the lens of love. I'm going to mm-hmm. le- read the Bible through the lens of justice or um, power. Um, Rick has preached really eloquently that using power as the way to, to understand what's being said in it. So you pick that overarching thing, and then you say, okay, so there are these six verses that don't agree with mm-hmm. that overarching thing. What am I going to go with? 
those six, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the ocean or am I going to go with the pebbles? <laughs> right. And the, uh, we tend to go with the ocean here rather than the pebbles. Um, and there's a phrase, we, we talk about proof texting, where uh-huh. someone takes a, a line from the Bible, takes it out of its context, and uses it um, to make a, a point that it shouldn't be used in that way. My <laughs> seminary professor talked, called that taking a, a verse out of the Bible, fashioning it into a bullet, and shooting at someone, and that is not what the Bible was written about mm-hmm. or for, that we use it as a weapon against each other. So for me, it's what do I think is the most overwhelming thing I can say about God? That's God is love. Mm-hmm. And, and then just as an aside, the concept of homosexuality did not exist in the Bible right. when, in the time that it was what we identify as that was not a, a present thing. So again, and just picking up on what Rick said, context, context, yeah. context, because there's a lot in the Bible that contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. And it's because the people who put it together were smart enough to know that in some circumstances, this version would work. And in some historical situations, maybe this one would be more mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. So they left it all in. And even, uh, even I believe I was doing a uh, study on the Old Testament, and they said that because uh, there's Leviticus, there's Le- Levitical law, and then mm-hmm. there's um, even Genesis has Genesis has some laws, but then Deuteronomy comes along, and it's almost like Deuteronomy was like almost a revision and more of a less let's, let's leave out all the death over here <laughs> in Leviticus, and we'll kind of clean it up a little bit. And yeah. uh, so it's it kind is of a revision, but they left it all in. Yeah, you know the. Um, the uh, what's the word with the Pentateuch, right? Is that yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it does. I mean, there is a lot of wisdom in leaving it all in. It's kind of like saying, "All are welcome." Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, there's this um, quote from a video lecture class that I um, sticks with me, and that is that the the Bible didn't fall from heaven in a glad bag. <laughs> it, in other words, it was written by human beings. Mm-hmm. It was written by men, imperfect men, inspired men, yes, mm-hmm. but still imperfect. Um, what the, it's sad because what even evangelicals think that they've read the Bible and that they understand the Bible, and these people have spent a lot of time reading the Bible, and they think they know the Bible, but when it comes down to it, they don't understand the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. What they've done is they've taken a theology developed by the church and then they plop it on top of the text and say, this, oh, this is what that means. Mm-hmm. But it's not what that means at all. That's a theology, and we were talking about it today, substitutionary atonement, a theology of the 11th century. Mm-hmm. When you read Jesus, when you read the Bible, it doesn't say that. Jesus died as a substitute for our sins. That would be the, he would be the most unclean person if he died um, bearing all of our sins. Mm -hmm. So, um, and as far as the gay and lesbian thing goes, there's, when you look at the context and the way I look at it, including what Janine was saying, um, 
not only did they not have a concept of homosexual orientation, it wasn't. They had such a horrible system of slavery. Mm -hmm. And that slavery included sexual slavery. So whenever you see the Bible, and of course the Bible was written 2,000 years ago using 2,000-year-old customs and cultures. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, you, you have to look at how much sexual and other violence was going on at that time. Right. And when Paul's talking about homosexualities, he's talking about it, if you look at the Greek, mm-hmm. in forms of domination, power over others. When we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a rape. Mm-hmm. They wanted to rape those two men, those two angels. It wasn't about homosexuality. It was about sexual violence. Right. And so it was about violence. And I'm sorry if that goes over our evangelical heads' friends, over our evangelical friends' heads. But (laughs) But I also want to make it clear that we don't do an us and them here. I mean, we're upset. Some of that is coming out in this conversation, but that's not... That's that's not how we conduct our worship services. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's um, we prefer to be really clear about who we are. Mm-hmm. We don't define ourselves against someone else. We just try to put out there, like putting on a sign, LGBT friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is who we are. If that floats your boat, you know, great. <laughs> if it doesn't, go with God. Yeah. We understand. Yeah. yeah. Um. Is there any kind of closing? Anyone wants to say anything closing uh, about about the church? Or um? I'm going to just take it back and say one of the things I appreciate appreciate about the UCC is that they are generally leaders on issues of social justice. Mm-hmm. So the ordination of women—they were one of the first churches to take a stand about that. Again, what do we take a stand for? Mm-hmm. Equality of of women in worship. Um, it was 2008 that the UCC took a stand for marriage equality. Mm-hmm. Well, lots of people are taking a stand now. It wasn't so cool right. and hip back in 2008. Right. Right? Um, recently, right, we have a, a general synod coming up in June and that's where we get together on an annual basis and we talk about and we discuss and as a congregation we vote wholly mm-hmm. as a whole congregation on what we're going to take a stand for. So this June there are four resolutions about the environment, one okay. of them calling for the divesture of um, fo- funds in fossil fuels. Okay. So again, there aren't a lot of churches out there taking a lead for the environment. But the UCC is. And it's one of the great reasons why I'm proud that this is the church that I was raised in, but it's also the church that I came home to. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. I just wanted to say, while I agree with everything that was said here today, I also know being part of this church that I'm free to disagree with um, my pastors even. And, you know, I can make my point and tell them I disagree with them. And that's... Mm-hmm. Um, There's not a fear right. involved with, you know, cha- you know right. challenging. You know, not as necessarily saying, like, right, challenging as, like, you know, with a fist in the air. But it's more of, like, 
polite disagreement. Yeah. Kinda. You're, you, you feel open to. Right. That's the way it would. Up. That's the way it has to be yeah. if I'm going to actually grow spiritually. Yeah. Is to be able to express myself, and that's and that's really something that's special about this yeah. church. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time. You know, and uh, and talking with me and and you know, letting letting us know about the church. I feel like a lot. I think more people, especially people like me, who are kind of in the this weird journey that my wife wants me to hurry up and <laughs> finish it. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really good and, if, and comforting for a person like myself to know that there are actual, you know, there is a church, there are churches out there kind of, you know, not necessarily pushing the envelope, but just being open to conversation, especially when it comes to social issues and things that, you know, we, we, we say the us versus them and everything like that. And that's it's something for me that I always end up, you know, spinning on the, you know, big old hate parade against evangelicals, you know, <laughs> you know, myself. And, and, and I've been trying the past few weeks, uh, and my wife's been trying to steer me in the right direction, you know, because it's not healthy for me to be focusing on that. But a person with my background, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there are people that, that can agree like it's it's almost like we almost end up there right you know and want to kind of not pass judgment but just have an opinion about it and uh, you know so it's it's good that there are churches that are just open to dialogue and that's a, and I think it's a really healthy thing and I'm glad that I uh, discovered this uh, this little church here so I'm, I, personally I'm going to try to make it back with my whole family one of these days yeah we'll try to work it out and I know that occasionally uh, if things work out I'll, I'll definitely come and, and visit so um, all right. Well, I'm hoping all of you at listening, wherever you're at, have learned something from, from today's discussion and today's podcast. And I'm, I'm really glad that I came down here and made the trip. And I'm glad that I can provide this conversation for you all to listen to as well. Um, I'm not sure what the subject will be next week. Just tune in and be surprised. <laughs> uh, you can always find us online at theaxpx.com. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theaxpx. And on Twitter, at the AXPX, and next week, hopefully, Joey, uh, the co- my co-host, will be joining me. And uh, but we need to get together and figure out what him and I are going to talk about. So, thanks for listening, and again, a huge thank you to the Brea Congregational United Church of Christ. Woo-hoo! All right, <laughs> I got it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Yeah.